The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again, the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his relatives heard of this, they set out to seize him, for they said, he is out of his mind. The Gospel of the Lord. His relatives set out to seize him, for they said, he is out of his mind. He's crazy. What is he thinking? Oh, he's not thinking. When we hear those words, there's a certain natural reaction on our part to be a bit shocked by them. And yet this is arguably one of the more beautiful statements in sacred scripture. Because hidden within this, at first glance, shocking expression is the fact that his family members recognize something about Jesus that we all too often forget. After 2,000 years, it's amazing how easily we can take Christ for granted. After 2,000 years, having heard time and time again of all that Jesus has done for us, it becomes strangely easy because it sounds so familiar to miss how wondrous, how puzzling, and how strange the greatness of Christ really is. We tend to reduce Jesus as to someone like us only nicer. Someone like us, only better. But the reality is, as much as Jesus is like us, he is also divine. And that means there is something about him that is fundamentally different from us too. And it is that difference that saves us as much as that similarity. And that's the beautiful thing here. Why does the family say this? They say this because of what Jesus is doing and the consequences of what he does. So let's just pause and look at this. The immediate context in this brief gospel reading is the Lord and his disciples have gone back home. They're at the house where they're staying and the crowd won't leave them alone. And so they can't even rest, they can't even have dinner because of the crowd that presses in and the implication is, has invited itself into the house with them. And consider then your own life. Consider those moments where reality seems to crowd you out of your own living space. Even if you're by yourself and nobody is physically with you, those times where problems, needs, concerns, that needy friend who always calls at the most inconvenient time. And consider your own reaction to that and that sense of being put upon and overwhelmed. And it's not like you're not concerned about these people who need you, but you need a break. 
you need a break. And how exhausting that can be. And how resentful that can make us. And now let's look again at this. Here is the neediness of the world crowding in on Jesus. Not one person at a time, but everybody all at once. And why? Because he's been good to the world. He's shown the world his goodness, and that always provokes two reactions. One, that which is wicked in the world feels threatened and opposes. But then, the minute generosity manifests itself, the neediness of the world comes forward and says, what about me? Don't forget about me. I need something too, and I need it now. And so note what we see. This great ocean of human needs surrounding the house, inviting itself in, crowding the Lord and his disciples out of their own living space, making it impossible to breathe, to rest, to relax, to catch one's breath. The family of Jesus doesn't sound so crazy now, do they? Note how, note how, note how, understandable their reaction now becomes. Because now let's look at it this way. Who among us can meet so great a need as that? Who among us can be present to such a crowd of neediness as that? Who among us could do that and survive? We would worry about being consumed by it, being lost within it. In fact, isn't it often the case for us when our own needs and the needs of those we care about are tremendous and great, we worry about losing ourselves and having nothing left? Because compared to what the world needs, we're all very small. We're all very inadequate. And what happens is we learn very quickly that there are two fundamental kinds of generosity. There is generosity which is a giving and a sharing out of our surplus, out of what we have that is extra. And that's not bad, that is not nothing, but note that that is an easier kind of generosity. I have extra, let me give you some. I don't need this, I have it though, why don't I give it to you? One of the problems in our world is that all too often man lacks even that most basic form of generosity. I have this, it's extra, it's beyond what I need, but I don't take the second step and say, but I could give it to you, but I could put it to use somewhere. And so we surround ourselves with a surplus that does nothing and goes nowhere. And that's the easy form of generosity. It's the generosity that doesn't cost me anything that I notice. Because it's extra. That's not bad. That's real and it's good. But there's another kind of generosity, which is the generosity that costs me something. 
where I give not out of my surplus, but out of what I need. And that is more of my giving of myself and giving out of myself. And as we all know, we're limited. And it's often those times where we are giving out of ourselves and the neediness around us just doesn't stop that we find ourselves feeling consumed. We find ourselves reacting with a certain resentment. When do I get a break? When do I get a rest? When does somebody do something for me? The world responds to Jesus because he has that kind of generosity. He doesn't simply give from a surplus that he has. He gives of himself, and he gives himself. Note how different that is. So the world crowds in, and the family looks and says, he's going to be consumed by this. They are stunned and they are frightened because the Lord is willing to keep receiving this neediness. Because the Lord gives to the point of exhaustion and beyond, and yet curiously keeps finding more of himself to give. And on simple human terms, they're overwhelmed by the fact that there's a generosity here that they don't understand, that they can't understand, because divine generosity goes beyond what we're capable of. And so again, note the reaction. They're entirely correct if Jesus is just another guy like us, because he couldn't possibly survive being this generous. And so they're right. If we don't do something to protect him, in his goodness, his goodness has taken over and hijacked his sense. And so we need to pull him aside so he can catch a break. The family comes to do this intervention, not because they think Jesus is bad, but because his goodness is so overwhelming. And in worldly terms, if we understand how life works, it goes beyond all rational sense. This is how God loves. This is the love of God. And so Jesus' family is responding to that. They're responding out of real concern for him. Because who can do this? Sometimes we, standing 2,000 years later, think the answer to that question is easier than it really is. But his family needs to come to faith in him too. The Virgin Mary knows who he is. That doesn't mean everybody else does. And even knowing who he is, there's still that moment of experiencing the abundance of divine love and goodness and generosity, which goes so far beyond how we understand those things we can't really comprehend it. We say these words so easily. God loves us, and God is love, and Jesus is good, and yet we reduce that love and that goodness 
to the tiny kind of love, goodness, and generosity that we have. And it is so much more than that. It goes so far beyond that. And this moment of the Lord being willing to continually give of himself is disconcerting. Because in human terms, this shouldn't be happening. Not like this. Not so continually. And yet in his humanity, there is this divine engine of goodness that always finds something more. We need to rest. We can't be present to everything and everyone, and that is the simple truth. But he's not us in that way. And so note what he is showing. Even in the small limits of his humanity, is an indescribably vast abundance of goodness. And he's come to give it. He's come to share it. I can't meet every need in my own life, let alone the life of my family, let alone the needs of the many who come to these 70 acres we call the Shrine of Our Lady of the Island. But he can in your household, you can't be present. You can't meet everybody's need. You can't be there every moment somebody needs you, and that's the truth. But he can. And when we try to do those things, we make the mistake, and we begin acting as if we're God. Because only God is unlimited. We're not. But note the Lord here showing in his limited humanity the difference that his divine goodness makes. Out of our limitation comes an infinite availability. Out of our smallness and fragility comes an infinite generosity. And it's not a generosity of the Lord simply giving things like graces and blessings. Strange as it is to say that, because those are not small things. It is the Lord giving his time. It is the Lord giving his attention. It is the Lord giving himself. And to such an extent that it's surprising and even shocking. And the natural response is his family can do the math. This will cost you yourself. And they're not wrong. It's a little too easy to be critical. But our criticism comes from the fact that we don't understand, we miss how overwhelmingly wonderful this is. So wonderful it's dangerous. So wonderful you have to ask, what will this do to the person who loves this way? Because as we know in this world, this fallen world, as a fallen world, its neediness consumes everyone. And its neediness consumes everything. And yet here is the Lord giving himself. And there's always something more. But it's not supposed to work that way. It's not supposed to work that way. 
This is what the family is experiencing and seeing in their love for him. They know how this world works and this world will consume him. And so they're worried. The interesting thing is the Lord has come precisely to be consumed. And so he's come to give himself. The Lord who frightens his family with this self-giving here in this scene is the same Lord who three years later in another house in Jerusalem is going to take bread and that house will not be crowded. And yet, as he takes that bread in his hand, he looks across the crowded ages of human history down to this present moment. And Jesus, who on that day that we have in our gospel story, was crowded out of his own dining room and couldn't sit down to eat himself. That same Jesus looks to this very moment here and he takes bread and breaks it and blesses it and says, this is me. This is my body given for you. Not just the 12 apostles at the Last Supper, but for you. On that day where he's crowded out of his own kitchen, the Lord is looking ahead to that other night when he breaks that bread when he takes that cup and gives thanks and passes it to his disciples and says, oh, drink, drink from this. This is me. Poured out for you. Not somebody else poured out for you. And not just in this moment in Jerusalem, but poured out across all those centuries and all those other overlooked corners of the world, and all of those great cities, and all of those little mountain villages, this is me giving myself to you. And what does it mean to take and eat, and to take and drink, but to consume? But note how wonderful this is. The Lord can give himself to feed the needs of the heart. The Lord can give himself to satisfy the thirst of the spirit. And as much as we eat, as deeply as we drink, we cannot consume him entirely because there's always more for him to give. Note what we see. This issue of the self-giving of Jesus, it's why he's come into the world. And what does he do when he extends his arm on the cross before that great crowd in Jerusalem? And again, on that cross, looking out across all of the ages of the history of man, all of the ages that came before him, all of the ages that have yet to come, and seeing every single generation of the human race, not just in general, but in the particularity of every single face, of every single beating heart. Who can meet all of those needs? 
Who can give himself to all of those people? And on his cross, what does he say? This is me. Given for you. Not somebody else, but you. Across all of the ages, for every single one of us, this is the Lord. Small wonder his family thinks what they do. Because in worldly terms, this is madness. It makes no sense. And why would one give in such a way that costs him everything like this? When he could save the world in all kinds of ways that cost him so much less, that cost him effectively nothing. Because love doesn't work that way. And what we see here is the family is reacting to the madness of love. A love that doesn't settle for mere utilitarian calculus that says, let me make sure we do just enough. Because that's a love that falls short. Rather, the Lord shows us that love in its very essence is the giving of oneself. And that is what he will do. He will give him. And how wonderful it is that here, one of the great elements of the miracle of the Eucharist, and again, strange as it is to put it in these words, is not simply that Jesus is present in the sacrament. It's that as every one of us comes forward, stretches out his or her hands, or opens his mouth, that one Jesus Christ gives himself to each and every one of us, completely. And note how strange it is to say that. Note how strange it is to say that. Jesus gives himself completely to you, and yet there's still him to give completely to me, and completely to you. Note how marvelous that is. It is the giving of himself, and he doesn't run out of a self to give. We can't say that. That's why his family reacts the way it does. We can't say that. But he can. What a great gift this sacrament is. What a great privilege it is to be here in this place, in his house, around his table, and we realize we're not crowding him out at all. He's here, just like he was there that day 2,000 years ago, because we need him to be. And he welcomes us here, just like he welcomed that crowd 2,000 years ago, because we need him to. And that's okay. And that's marvelous. And when we go from this place, the wondrous thing is that that very self-giving love lives inside of us. And while we can't do it as perfectly, while we can't do it as continuously as he does, he gives himself to us so that we can go beyond ourselves and share something of that generosity which goes far beyond the minimum, because that is the love of Christ. Amen.